On this episode of This Is Game Boy, we are pulling out our wands. Welcome back to another brand new episode of This Is a Game Boy, the only podcast where uh, two guys talk about something not related to Game Boy at all for the first 20 to 30 minutes, and then we kind of talk about the game sometimes because that is just the way we roll. Anyways, like always, uh, I'm here, Mula, and with me is Belty Gaming. Hello. So yeah, as per usual, let's dive a little bit into what we have been up to uh, between the previous recording and this recording, and uh, we'll start with you this time, Melting. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a bit of a uh, deep dive into my backlog. I realized I have a ton of games just sitting in boxes and on shelves that I really just have never played before. And I keep buying new games because I'm dumb, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to... There, there hasn't been too many new games in 2020 that I've really been looking forward to. Uh, a couple here and there, but nothing. It's a pretty pretty dull year for me, so... Um, I decided to take it upon myself to do a quote-unquote backlog challenge, so to speak. So, uh... Uh, I did Darkwing Duck on NES the other day. Uh, Redhead Revolver Friday night. Boy and howdy was that a game. Um, Battletoads, the brand new one. Uh, the Battletoads 2020. Not a bad game. Um, it's fun. It's definitely a, it's more of a nostalgia trip than anything. The, the first half of the game is very Battletoads. The second half of the game is... Not very Battletoads. Just yeah, put that's it, the only part I saw you stream. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is this game? This looks weird. I did a Tadpole speedrun. So, so there's three different difficulties for Battletoads. There's Tadpole, Toad, and Battletoad. And Battletoad is the hardest difficulty. Uh, so when I did my first playthrough, I played on Battletoad. Uh, but I did a speedrun of the uh, Tadpole difficulty, and I beat the game in like two hours. So it's actually a relatively short game. Uh, I dabbled in a few different speedruns, which is kind of weird. Uh, I did uh, Bram Stoker's Game Boy, so I got the fourth ever sub four now mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the game. Um, bopped Mo and Legs. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was my comeback game, too, which was even crazier. And then Donkey Kong for NES, which that game drove me insane. And then Donkey Kong Jr. On NES, where I actually found like four glitches that broke the game, so and I got really mad and stopped playing it. <laughs> Those <laughs> don't feel like fun games to speed run. They're RNG heavy, super RNG heavy right, at the end. Right. So, uh, really, outside of that, uh, doing a lot of art, did a lot of drawing, um, trying to get things like a game list together for this backlog stuff. So. Yeah, other than that, just uh, trying to get back into the swing of things again. So, what about you? Yeah, I've been playing some of my games that I've been yeah lying around here for years as well. Um, same deal, really. Like, this year has not been the greatest for video games. At least nothing that I'm interested in. So, um, maybe I'll buy one every two months, if even. Um, yeah. But I also looked a, a little bit at my... PS Plus 
backlog because sometimes I see a game on there uh, that you can download for quote-unquote free. Uh, but I never played them because, like, I don't have time. Um, but I played Batman the Telltale series, uh, the first one, um, which I game. thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, I liked uh, the Batman story. It, Of course, it's a Telltale game, which is not really a game. Uh, it's more like a visual novel, of course, with some QTEs here and there. Um, but, yeah, it, it was really fun to play, but I think it's a very poor port of it. Um, or not, I don't know, like I didn't play like the original PC version, but there were quite a few quote-unquote glitches that happened throughout the game that were pretty funny, like uh, character models that just wouldn't load, so we were just talking to nothing, uh, <laughs> or somebody's back of their hat wasn't loaded, so they only had half a hat. And the best one was when, uh, when Batman was speeding off in his uh, Batmobile, and uh, it was the mirrored image of the Batmobile, so it speeded up backwards, which was incredibly <laughs> funny to see. Uh, but yeah, besides that, like, besides some, some graphical uh, glitches, and, and sometimes the game crashed. Um, it was a very pleasant uh, game to go through, or five games, if, if you want to call it that. Um, and maybe one day I'll pick up the, the sequel to it. Um, if it's cheap or something like that, like it, it was a good good take on Batman. The the sequel is like I bought mine for like ten or fifteen bucks, but it was actually really hard to find the sequel. Right, like an actual like physical copy oh, of yeah, it. It was yeah. it was tough to find. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely find it somewhere. Whatever. Um, besides that, uh, I also have all those Mega Man collections. Uh, the X Collection 1 and 2 and, and the normal uh, 1 and 2 and 0 actually on Switch but uh, there were a few challenges left that I had to do um, I'm just trying to like complete all my games that I have lying around just so I can just put them on the shelf and be done with them so I've been playing a few of those uh, here and there um, I think I finished the Mega Man X Collection the first one um, now I'm still doing the Mega Man 1 through 6, so Collection 1 challenges. They are okay, but they are very repetitive. Like, it's always the same over and over and over again. And weirdly enough, they expect you to use the turbo button as well, because otherwise you just cannot get the appropriate timing, though. So it's it's a little weird, but it's Mega Man. I love Mega Man, so it's, it's fun to do, at least. Um, but it will take me a while because they're not that easy. They're, they're just weirdly timed and things like that. Like, what I can do is the boss rush for Mega Man 2. Uh, because it's on hard mode, Mega Man 2. And I just get wrecked completely in that game. I just cannot get a gold medal in that one. But, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I also played through Super Paper Mario. I think I might have mentioned that last time that I started it. Um, but I played through it. It was like only a 12-hour game or something if you're not going for completionist thingies there, uh, which are totally unnecessary in my opinion. It's it's totally not needed for that game. I think it was a nice take on, uh, on the Paper Mario genre with it basically being a 2D platformer and not an RPG. Um, but it did fall flat compared to Thousand-Year-Old Door, which is just a, a fantastic RPG, so... Uh, but it was a funny game, at least, so I had fun with it. Is, is that the one on the Wii? Yeah, it's the one on yeah. the Wii, indeed. Yeah. Um, it doesn't use a, a lot of motion controls or 
whatever, so that's good. You can like get extra points if you wiggle the controller after jumping on an enemy. Um, and the points or the score is basically your experience, so it helps out a little, but you only have to do like a slight wiggle, so it's uh, yeah, it doesn't like bother you or anything, so that's fine. Um, after that, I played through Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance or 3D uh, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I did play the HD version, so on PS4, on the Kingdom Hearts 2.8 collection. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, we, <laughs> that that's a mess, of course. Um, I liked the game, not at the start, uh, because the, the flow motion mechanics were a little bit weird to me. And I didn't understand why th there were Pokemon, basically, that you had to make. Um, but it, it all came together after, uh, like, an hour or four. Uh, then I started to understand the mechanics a little bit more. Um, what I can say, and this is going to sound weird, but the story doesn't make any sense. Which, <laughs> okay, it's Kingdom well, Hearts. I mean... It's Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But I feel like this was really just shoehorned in there to have another game right before 3 came out because people were waiting for such a long time for that. Uh, but yeah, the, the overall arc of this uh, story did not make a lot of sense to me. It, it, it wasn't great. And I think I've said it before when uh, I uh, finished Kingdom Hearts 3, even that was like... Actually, there wasn't much story in it. It was like an hour of story and the rest was just there to be there. Um, and it felt the same basically with this game. It's like, okay, um, I actually have no idea what happened here. Nothing was important, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun game. It was easy to complete, but of course it's an RPG, so it takes some time. I think it took me like 50 hours in total in the end. Oh, wow. Um, 10 of them just spent on, on random quote-unquote grinding, um, which was basically uh, catching all the Pokemon or Dream Eaters, as they are called there, um, and leveling them up so you had all their abilities. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a very easy game. I played it on Proud Mode, which is the hardest difficulty you have at the start. Critical Mode unlocks after you have beaten the game, but you don't have to beat that to complete the game. So um, yeah, overall fun game, but... Um, you can, if, if you're really looking for a story Kingdom Hearts game, I would say play one or two. Those are the only ones that, that are kind of really good when it comes to that. Um, and then Friday, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 remake came out, so I have been playing that a little bit. Um, for people who have played Tony Hawk in the past a lot, like me, um, the quote-unquote career mode if you just want to play through one and two that's gonna take you three hours that's what it took me um <laughs> i was completely done with it um they do offer a lot of things for you to do like um there's 714 challenges in the game that you need to complete some tied to oh, specific wow. skaters uh some uh, tied to specific levels things like that uh so there is a lot to do besides just those things um, it's just kind of weird that you can only play through the actual campaign with one character. After you've done that, you're just done. Um, you can go back to the levels, of course, with different skaters, but then you just have to find the stat points to, like, increase their stats. But besides that, there's, there's no reason to replay any of the, uh, 
stages like you would normally do in a in a normal Tony Hawk game. So that's kind of weird. But yeah, there's enough stuff to do. Um, the controls are perfect. Like, I can't complain at all about those. It's just uh, the controls of 3, I believe. Uh, maybe 4 a little bit, but um, they're all there. Everything works as perfect as it needs to be. Um, soundtrack is okay. They have the entire Tony Hawk 1 soundtrack, I believe. A few songs from Tony Hawk 2 and then new stuff and yeah <laughs> the new stuff is uh yeah it it, it kind of depends on what you're looking for um there are a few old songs from what i consider skateboarding bands uh in there like uh um mxpx for example uh billy talent uh less than jake real big fish um also some very good old hip-hop songs like uh, Tribe Called Quest and things like that. But then you have, sadly, the newer generation of R&B hip-hop songs in there. And I know it's part of the, the whole thing now, of the whole scene now. I'm out of... <laughs> I have been out of it for years. I don't skateboard anymore. But it, it just doesn't feel right. The, those songs, like, for me, don't belong uh, in the game, but yeah, of course you can just turn those off. So that's that's at least that. My my biggest drawback to that game was that there was no online multiplayer. Well, that is not exactly true, though. Um, there is online multiplayer, but at this moment it's uh, random. Um, they are still developing the private matches, um, but there is online. It's just random. You're just playing playing games against random people, so um, they will release an update pretty soon where you can do private matchmaking. Um, my biggest gripe with this game is the menuing. It is absolutely horrible. Uh, I don't know who made <laughs> the menus in this game, but I can't find anything that I'm looking for most of the time. Um, somebody in chat, because I was streaming it, had to tell me how I had to change my character because I, I couldn't find it. So, yeah, it's, it's a I very mean, horrible menuing system. But you, I mean, you choose Bucky Lassick, that's the only skater that you need. And you do the <laughs> finger flip air walk over the half pipe in the warehouse stage. <laughs> yeah, well, I just played through the career with Tony Hawk because he's the default character you start with. Uh, <laughs> not that it matters in the end because they all... Uh, eventually have the same stats anyways but uh, yeah it was a little weird how to change your characters and things like that but yeah it's it's a great game um if you liked the old tony hawk games just get it it's it's the same game the only thing i found was that with these updated graphics some of the um how do i explain it some of the lines you would have done when you were younger don't work because the objects are a little further away from each other than you are used to for muscle memory. Um, so I keep missing rails or, or caps or things like that just because they're just a little bit further away and you don't have enough speed to go over them. So um, yeah, I saw that, that happening a few times. But yeah, besides that, it's all the levels from 1 and 2. So that's all you need really. So yeah, that was my uh, my exploration into newer games. Uh, for Game Boy, I haven't played that much because I have uh, been playing long games. 
uh, now. Um, the shorter one was Super RC Pro AM. Everybody knows the NES game, which is impossible to play. Um, this one is not. True. This one is really easy to play, actually. So they did a good job there. Uh, and besides that, I've been playing Ultima Runes of Virtue 1 <laughs> and then 2, uh, which was not that much fun to do so close to each other. Um Ultima, a very beloved series out there, especially with with older people. Um, I would say people in their 40s. Um, very, very unique series back in the days. Uh, the Game Boy games are all right. Um, sadly, 75% of them are fun. And the last 25% of them are complete garbage because it's just so random and... Yeah, it, it, it just uh, overstays its welcome. Like, the example I can give for Runes of Virtue 2, I did the first six out of eight dungeons in three hours, and the last two took me six more hours. So, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't a lot of fun. But if you like those kind of games, I'm sure you uh, those two are, are perfect to play for you if you like the Ultima series. The Ultima games are definitely one of those games where you like it or you don't like it type deal where because like you the games came out on dos originally so you can Mm -hmm. just imagine how great the early ultima games are and uh, like the ones on nes they run at like five fps basically the Mm -hmm. ones on game boy like they actually run fairly smoothly they just they don't look the greatest but uh like what mo said like towards the end it becomes a pretty big uh random factor and what a game that should take you maybe four hours to beat is now going to take you eight hours to beat, nine hours to beat, because it decided it wanted to throw a curveball at you. Yeah, it's weird. Like, if you haven't played an Ultimate game, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's basically a parody take on old RPGs, dungeon crawlers. Um yep. So, the game is pretty funny and it has some very interesting ideas. Um, But at the end, there's no rules to these games. Like, a puzzle can be literally anything they were thinking of uh, without giving you a good explanation on how to solve them. Which is nice if you have a lot of time, of course. Like, you can figure things out on your own. Uh, It's very unique to take uh, on the puzzles and things like that. But one example I can give from Ultima Runes of Virtue 2. There was one room where you you go in and you read a sign and it says, Oh, you have to bake a cake. And you're like, (laughs) what are you saying? And then the second sign says, here are the instructions. Uh, You need to find flour and you need to find butter or whatever. You have to put it on the table and then you have to put it on the conveyor belt. And you're like, what? Like, I'm playing an RPG here with monsters and keys and what am I supposed to do? Okay, I figured it out after five minutes and it was pretty unique and, and brilliant actually the how they pulled it off i was so happy that i figured it out and then it was like oh yeah but you have to do this five times in a row now to progress and that wasn't fun anymore like the first time was okay but not five times in a row so yeah that, that's how they lengthened the game but it's it's just overstaying its welcome really yeah, the last Ultima game. I, I I'm a I'm a fan of the Ultima games, and uh, the last the last one I played was for the Super Nintendo, the Black Gate. 
and uh, that one take that one takes itself a bit more seriously. Okay, <laughs> yeah, the especially the second one on Game Boy, totally not. It has like silly cutscenes and items that you're like, what is this doing in an old school RPG? Like you, you have to find a ping pong paddle, and I mean it, it doesn't make sense. And yeah, it's fun me in that way. It's fun up to a certain point, uh, but not anymore afterwards. So yeah. Maybe you would like them to play them, so check them out for sure. Like, I can't say they're bad games. It's just, one, not my genre to begin with, and two, way too long in the end for, for no apparent reason. All right, so with that said, uh, we will dive into this week's Game Boy game called Solomon's Club right after this song. everybody hope you enjoyed that banger of a of a turn <laughs> from this game they only get better from here on out <laughs> uh, <laughs> so solomon's club which is a port of the nes game solomon's key uh came out japan uh april 5th of 1991 and then in the u.s of april 91 and then in europe in 1991 <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh developed by graphic research and published by tecmo so well, tecmo is kind of a well was a big company back then i mean they had ninja gaiden tecmo super bowl can't think of any other big ones off the top of my head <laughs> but i do know that they were a big player back in the early 90s and late 80s <clears throat> Yeah, they also made uh, the Fatal Frame series. Uh, what is Fatal that Frame, called yeah. again in, in Europe? It's called differently. Uh, Project Zero. Or is it the other way? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's Project Zero, Fatal Frame, um, and also the Dead, of, Dead or Alive fighting That's series. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, Ry- and Rygar, and Monster Rancher, and Star Force. Yeah, I had to look all that stuff up. <laughs> yeah, and they did, and they did arcade games like Bomb Jack and whatnot. Yeah, so I mean, they were they were a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, they lasted this... until April first, two thousand and ten. Oh, that's a bad day to stop <laughs> stop being a yeah. company. Uh, April Fools, we're closing down. Oh, mm-hmm. good one. Oh no, really? <laughs> 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 Clear your desk. We're done. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well. But they got uh, uh, they got kind of bought up by Koei. Koei is that how you say it? Koei, Koei. I think I always pronounce it Koei. Koei, yeah. Um, which most people probably know from all those darn strategy games that they made <laughs> that nobody ever wanted to play, uh, but you had to anyways. And of course, the Dynasty Warriors series, uh, which is very beloved, especially in Japan. Um, but yeah, Koei is more of a, a company that released games that were very popular in Japan. And they did bring them out in the US and Europe, but we didn't really enjoy them that much, sadly. Oh. Nah, they're, they're definitely not a 
Western type game, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, graphic research. Actually, not much can be found about these people. Um, at least they they lasted for a long time. Uh, they were established in May of 1982 and they went bankrupt in 2005. So that's a pretty long time, but um, basically not much is known about graphic research. Um, like I'm looking at the logo here right now and it doesn't even ring any bells for me. Um, they did bring out quite a few games on Game Boy, but most only came out in Japan anyways. So that's probably uh, why we we don't really know them that much. Like the only one I can pull off this list is World Beach Folly, which is the only game that came out. Uh, Dude, what a uh, solid game, too. It's so good. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah, they, I, I can see they made a lot of games, but they're all Japanese titles. So uh, yeah. Not much is known about graphic research, sadly. Yeah, they definitely did a bunch. Like, just looking at this list as well, too. Ooh, even Wonderswan stuff. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. But yeah, like, Derby Jockey. Like, those are Japanese-only horse racing games. Um, J-League, whatever, whatever. Whether it's soccer. It's probably most likely soccer. Like, all that stuff is just Japanese. Like, Asmic Coonland, which is as... I think it's a... Uh, uh, that's bo- a... Boomerang that's Asmic a fam- World or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. So, yeah, they, I mean, they definitely focused on Japanese games, as they are a Japanese company, probably. So, um, yeah, like, looking at the logo as well, too, I don't recognize the logo, at least instinctively <laughs> yeah it's, it's, uh, it's not a great logo here to be very recognizable to begin with but yeah oh they did tokyo disneyland mickey no cinderella shiro mystery tour <laughs> i actually i actually dabbled in that because i found it on my everdrive i was like what the heck is this it was actually kind of kind of cool <laughs> i will say that it was actually kind of interesting yeah, didn't know I don't what know was being Gal- said, but <laughs> yeah, I know there's two Tokyo Disneyland games on Game Boy, uh, and I played one of them. Um, sadly, you can't really do that much in them besides the mini games. Um, but there's always like a quiz, and like if you can't read Japanese, it's like n- no idea how to get through them. But Guessing one game. of my most viewed uh, videos on YouTube. Is Tokyo Disneyland for some reason? So I don't know what's going on there. And we and we have a composer this time. Haitian, uh, Haitian, Hasachin, Hasachin. I would say, but uh, again, nothing is known about this person. So it's probably uh, a pseudonym to begin with. But uh, I couldn't find anything about this person. So yeah, it could be an alias, and they could be a part of. Graphic research, whom is or, apparently yeah, or just, Tecmo. I don't know. Or Tecmo, no, like, yeah. Yeah, well, I can tell you right now, their music in this game is, uh, is, is good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very memorable, let me tell you. Yeah, it's, no. It's, it's not. No. But it's, it's not bad mo- here. It's not terrible, but it's very much like your generic Game Boy music. Like I hate to like st- like stereotype that, but like when people think of like Game Boy music, they think of like 
six beats that are on loop over and over again that are super that are kind of high pitched. Yeah, that's basically what the music in this game is. It's not terrible. Like it, it is catchy, but it's nothing memorable at all. It's no Kirby Street Man music, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the good thing is that uh, this game does feature some very short stages anyway, so you won't be hearing them true. on a constant loop anyway. So it, it fits the game, at least. Very true. Uh, so the plot to this game, like I said earlier, uh, this is a port of the NES game. Uh, so Solomon's Club is basically Solomon's Key. Uh, yeah. Dana who is a magician, wizard, is looking for a way to become a master magician just like the great King Solomon. In order to achieve that goal, he needs to find a book called the Solomon's Key. Yeah, yeah. a book. Not a key or a club. A book. Yeah. So. But the key is in the club, so... <laughs> it's the, tr- the, it's book, true. the book called the key <laughs> is in the club, so... As, as long as... <laughs> you know that... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's literally the plot of this game. There's nothing more to it. Like the NES yeah. one is a little bit more uh, in-depth where it's like, yo, the the world of light has been exposed to demons and Dana needs to uh, needs to find the spellbook to stop them. But yeah, this is literally... He wants to become a master magician. That's, that's all there is to it. And as history has told us... Um, King Solomon was the greatest magician of all time. Like, it's true. Yeah, we all know that. It was in all our history books. I actually have no idea anymore who Solomon was. <laughs> is that is that either. the guy who cut the wanted to cut the baby into for the? Is that the, is that Solomon? Uh, where, where the where the one woman is like, oh, this is my child, and the other woman is like, no, this is my child, and then he's like, oh, I'll just cut him in two then, and then, <laughs> then you both have a child. So, I think that's maybe the one. It might be. I don't remember much about Solomon at all. Yeah, I only know King Solomon's Minds, but that's a movie. I don't think it has anything to do with that. <laughs> It's like that, quick that fake Indiana Jones movie there. Well, a good one. Doing quick research. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that that suggested cutting the baby in half. Hooray! I remember my Bible stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is now a Christian podcast. Oh, Wisdom Games. Nice. <laughs> I have all of them. We can go through all five. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> Plus, I think you did a light on that anyway. So I think we, we can move on from that. Did I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> need a, need, needs a redo. <laughs> um, gameplay. Uh, so how we typically have gone through every stage before, if we did that this podcast, this episode would be about 22 parts and about three hours long. So uh, <laughs> yeah, just going to go over mechanics and enemies and what to expect with the game. So basics, controls, your A button jumps, your B button creates or destroys blocks. So you have a little wand where you have to sometimes destroy blocks to go through something or you have to create blocks to go up higher or lower. If you fall too far, I think you die. And otherwise, you can only jump one block at a time high. Uh, up B shoots your fireball or water gun and down just ducks. So, pretty yeah. basic controls, nothing nothing too crazy at all. 
the mechanics of the game is you need to find a key in the room that opens the door. Um, they go to the door to finish the stage. If you collect everything, I think a fairy comes out and it gives you a one-up, I believe. Um, it's, it's, been a while. it's when you collect uh, a bell, a fairy will come out of the exit a door. Bell. And if sure. you collect ten fairies in total, you will get an extra life. Um, it's not like there's only one fairy for each stage. Um, it's kind of dependent. Some items that are on the stage or in the room can be seen from the start of the game. Others are hidden, uh, and the only way yep. to actually find those items is to create a block on the uh, grid where they are, and then destroying that block, and then that uh, that item will appear, actually. So there could be multiple bells and multiple fairies in each stage. You yeah. just have to look for no. them, if you want no. to, that is. Nothing like a little load runner to add into the game. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you pick up coins, bells, what ups. Uh, like Mo just said, some things are hidden, so you have to place a block in the space to reveal it. Avoid enemies, or you can kill them uh, by making them run off of blocks, so they take fall damage. Um, most of the time, though, you're going to be avoiding enemies, though. Mm-hmm. Um and whenever an enemy hits your block or shoots your block, your block breaks away. So you need to be very careful with that as well, too. So, um, especially in later stages. Yeah, um, like the game has a lot of different types of enemies. Like I started trying to list them out here and there. Oh, there's but so many. Yeah, and the thing is, I have the manual for this game, but it's sadly in Swedish or well, in all Scandinavian languages. Um, I could have sent it to Hero to translate everything here and there, but I was like, doesn't really matter. Um, there are just some types of enemies that you cannot destroy because they are hovering. Most of the times these are ghost enemies. They are just flying from the left to the right or up and down across the screen. Those you cannot destroy by making a, making a block collapse, of course. Um, what you can do is use your fire spell for it if you have one to destroy them. But they're usually just there to, like, annoy you. They're, they're not really after you to destroy you like uh, some of the other enemies are. Um, those mostly consist of goblins, some kind of dragons that keep following you around. Um, they can all be destroyed by, uh, by making them fall. So um, that's your number one offensive move in this game because like i said fireballs you cannot always have them you can also only have three of them maximum at a time so um, it's best to use them for dire situations where you really uh put yourself into a corner and, and don't have another way to actually avoid the enemies um but yeah there are a lot of things in this game like there's those spark thingies that go around the walls, kind of like in Zelda, uh, where they keep following the path around the room or around blocks that you need to avoid. Also, you cannot destroy them. And then there's also the fire. Um, the fire, you can you can hit the fire and it uh, goes out a little bit, but it will never go away. But that uh, gives you the opportunity to jump over it without getting hurt. Uh, but the only yep. way to destroy a fire is by actually using a water gun, which you can only have three of as well. Yep. Yeah, looking at just uh, the Solomon's Key manual, because I actually have that one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just looking at it, you have demons. So you have a demon's head, which is like a flying head, a mirror, a goblin, a dragon, a saramander, a gargoyle, uh, a ghost, mm-hmm. a newel, panel monster. So the panel monster is uh, basically a head attached to the wall that shoots fireballs at you from the side. Right. Yeah. Um, th- those fireballs will break your block if it hits it. Uh, a sparking ball, and then the burns, which is the, I think it's moving fire, not just stationary fire, they're moving fire, so. Yeah. Um, which I believe the Game Boy shares most, if not all, of those same sprites. So. Yeah, it has all of the same enemies in this game as well. Some just look a lot like each other, so it's hard to distinguish between them, but uh, when they show up on screen, um, you will immediately know what they do, basically. Um, if anybody has ever played the NES version of this game or any of the other ports, because it was on a few different systems, actually, you will recognize a lot of these rooms from the other games as well. But, um, what they did do, and I'm really glad they they actually did this, is not just copy the rooms from uh, the other games because they would not fit on a Game Boy screen. Um, so they really revamped all of these rooms, which do still offer kind of the same puzzles, but on a smaller scale. So that's actually pretty nice. One of the most memorable stages is at the start of the game uh, where there's the door is on the top of the screen um, and there are, I think, the dragons on the left side and on the right side and they're shooting to the opposite side and you have to build basically a tower to get to the top um if you look at the nes version for example there's like eight rows of those dragons on the game boy again same room just smaller scale so they only have four dragons so i, I thought that's yep. pretty cool that they actually try to do the same kind of puzzles but um they just did it on a very small scale. So you always see the entire room um, on your screen. So you know there's no hidden enemies anywhere that can suddenly come in on screen and kill you. You have like complete oversight of everything that's happening in the entire stage. Yep. Yeah, and some of the enemies like uh, the, the spark ball, they, uh, they're, they're the ones that run the perimeter of, of things yeah. so if you release one you can trap one but also if you release one you kind of have to remember that one is released and it make it may surprise you a little bit but uh for the most part yeah like you can see everything and speaking of stages this game has five floors with 10 rooms um and one hidden room which is ex- accessed by picking up a wing in room seven of each floor yeah um very hard that, to miss those things to be honest very yeah Com- very hard compared to, to the them. nes version where the hidden rooms are actually really hidden in this you will just run across them like there, there's no way you're missing them yeah no uh and if you collect all the s items in the hidden rooms you unlock solomon's club which consists of five puzzles and a final room so yeah Trying to think, this, well, maybe, oh no, no, the NES version does have a few extra levels. I was trying to calculate it in my head, really. Yeah, the NES is a bit longer. Although, wait a minute, wait, so in the NES there's 48 main levels, 
and then 15 secret levels. So this game has, oh boy, quick math, uh, 50 normal stages, 5 hidden stages, and 6 final stages, so 61. Okay, so 3 less, actually, yeah, pretty much the same in that regard, to my surprise. On a Game Boy cartridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, items to find in stages, like we mentioned earlier, there are fairies. So if you collect 10 fairies, you get an extra life. And you summon them by collecting a bell. And every time you collect a bell, they come out of the, the door. Yeah. Um, and they, there can be multiple bells per stage. Uh, coins. A variety of coins. Uh, they give you cash to spend at a shop. Yeah, there's um, like a little coin, a big coin, and then a diamond, but that's also money. That's the biggest one yeah. you can find, basically. Um, wing, which is access to the hidden room. And then an e-bottle, which uh, you can refill your, your energy tank with and keep moving on through your stage. No, it's just an extra, it's just an extra life. Yeah. Be because you do die in one hit in this game, so <laughs> there's no health meter or anything like that. <laughs> no, it is just your extra life. Uh, things that you can buy uh, from the shot that we mentioned earlier with your with your currency. Fireballs, you can only have a max of three of them. Use them sparingly. Um, a hammer to destroy the mirrors that we talked about. Water gun, again, you can only have three max. Uh, these are to knock down your fires. Uh, shoes, they are, you have them until you game over, which makes you move faster. Uh, your hat, which allows you to destroy blocks from underneath. Try to remember how this works. So it, you can destroy blocks from beneath with one jump instead of two jumps. Yeah. If that, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, hard to describe without actually like seeing it right now. <laughs> uh, the clock just gives you extra time. So while you're while you're doing these stages, you are timed. So you have a you have a timer on the screen that does count down. And when when it does hit zero, you do die. Um, so you can buy a clock to gives you extra time for the stage. You can buy a bell which summons a fairy, and then you can buy an extra life. Yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about the time, to be honest. Um, no. The clock does move like in Super Mario Land or, or Bros. Like, it, it's not really seconds that are counting down or anything. It's like the 999 that goes down to zero. Uh, but again, like, these rooms are a lot smaller than the NES counterparts. So you always basically have plenty of time to figure yeah. out a game. And um, while you're trying to figure out the rooms anyways, you're probably going to die a few times. Uh, so <laughs> the timer really does not matter that much, to be fair. Um, the good thing about this game, again, compared to the NES version, I don't know, I, that's the only one I know. I don't know the other versions. Um, this game does offer you um, basically unlimited continues and passwords. Um, the only downside about actually game overing is that, well, you lose your upgrades if you had any of them, but only, um, and you have to keep that in mind, only the shoes and the hat, so the permanent upgrades. Um, if you had some fireballs, if you had some uh, wire guns, if you had some hammers, you keep those uh, with the password, actually, so that's 
something to to definitely uh, keep in mind um but yeah on the nes game it, when you lost all your lives the game was over and you had to restart the entire game um this you just literally start back on uh, the same stage as you were at and not only that this game offers a um, stage selection screen so for instance you go to floor one uh, you go to room five and you're having a little bit of trouble with that room you just can't do it you can always just go back to the select screen do another room first and then come back to uh, uh, quote-unquote harder stage uh, whenever you want to so that's also very nice of them to have put that in the game um the difficulty for the rooms is kind of all over the place like sometimes room 10 of a floor is like the easiest of the entire thing uh and sometimes it's the hardest so it it's really just its own thing every time like you can't really say like it gets harder the further you get into the game it's it's just random as you can imagine yeah, I forgot which floor it was, but it was a, just a literal gauntlet from from room one to like room nine. Then I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see room ten. And I get to room ten, and it, it it was literally just like you break three blocks and you get the key, and you're at the end. I'm like, oh, well, that's a breath of fresh air <laughs> yeah. after this. Like, holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine how it would be on the NES version. Like, I. I never it's gotten tough. through stage four in that one i think just because it's it's so relentless having used the speed run the nes version it's tough yeah i can't <laughs> imagine yeah. um cover art yeah we go over cover art quick uh the cover art so the game came out in all three major major countries right so in the U.S. and I believe the Europeans got the same one as the yes. U.S. Uh, we have this. We have um, Dana, who looks like Peter Pan, <laughs> in the in the foreground. Um, and then, as you go back into the background, there's this temple-looking thing with uh, with a goblin. That's what the manual calls it. It looks like a rock man, but it's a goblin. Standing in the doorway, full muscles, ready to rock and roll, with a fairy above him, with a key above the fairy. And then as you go towards the left, there's a dragon breathing fire. And right below the dragon, there is a cow with a block on top of its head. Uh, it's kind of all, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be on top of his head. I think Dana is just creating a block somewhere. Uh, but yeah, oh. but yeah, Dana kind of yeah. It's like Peter Pan mixed with uh, CDI Link. Kind of like yeah, that. it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's not a real good representation of of Dana at all, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the NES version is just like a more adult version of the same character, and this is like the children's coloring book version of Dana, I guess. Like, that's a, a good way to compare them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the Japanese one. The Japanese one's pretty pretty basic, but it's also my, my favorite of the two. Surprise, surprise. But uh, you have... 
you have the square with a bunch of grids, and the grids kind of gradiate from red to red to orange to yellow to light green to dark green. And the grids kind of, I'm assuming the grids are meaningful to that, the game, where the game is basically on a grid system. Yeah. <clears throat> and then in the top left corner, you have a golden key with a blue gem in the center of it. I'm assuming Dana is sitting there as a dark silhouette with a wizard hat, a, uh, a scepter uh, with, the, with the cape. And then in the top right corner is the locked door for the key to open. Um it's 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 simple. It's colorful. It's more appealing to the eye, and it makes a lot more sense than the U.S. and European cover. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like Dana just looks like a prototype black mage from Final Fantasy on this one, basically. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very simple, but it does tell you what the game really is. Uh, whereas the European U.S. version is, is yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a mix it's, it's between, too busy it's, it's too busy definitely and it's also a weird mix because the dana character compared to all the other characters that are on the thing or like it's, it's a completely different art style kind it's it's kind of weird but um yeah i don't yeah like i don't know dana is more is more like like weird disney cartoony compared to everything else yeah. in the actual drawing and just to give you all some context to the NES version of Dana is this like normal height human with gray hair who dresses like Link. Yeah. Uh and he ha- and he has a wand. Like that's what the Dana version looks like on the, uh is like on the NES cover. So like going from the NES to the Game Boy like Dana looks like a Disney Peter Pan mixed with a CDI's uh, link that Mo said, and then the background, like, it gets more, it gets beyond him, beyond him though, is a lot more serious, a lot more darker. It's it's just, it takes a whole new turn compared to what the actual protagonist is versus something like the Japanese one where everything is kind of just cartoony outlined and it doesn't take itself entirely too serious, so. Yeah. It's weird, but, yeah, that's usually what you get with, uh, with the U.S. covers or the European covers. Well, mostly the U.S. covers, but yeah, I don't know. Avenging spirit. <laughs> yeah, that, that one is the weirdest of all. Can't have that, yeah. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I know we briefly touched about the audio in this game. Uh, like we said earlier, the audio isn't terrible. Uh, it is a very generic Game Boy audio, though. Uh, in my opinion, everything is a bit too too high pitched to really appreciate it. If they brought down the pitch a bit, I think it'd be a lot better. Um, but everything has a sound effect. Everything has music. Uh, the music does loop, but like we said earlier, the stages are fairly short, uh, so you don't get too tired of the music at all. And it's the Game Boy; you can just roll that volume wheel down if you get too tired of it. So <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good take on that for sure. If you're playing it on an actual Game Boy, uh, but yeah, it never bothers you the music. So no, uh, it didn't. But I I got to the point where I was able to tune it out because it was just so basic. <laughs> yeah, and all in all, it's also a very short game. To be honest, like I think uh, 
it took me three hours, but I also redid yeah. two complete worlds because I came across uh, a point where I had a lot of trouble and I was like, oh, I should use my old password because I had like 15 lives. Then I can experiment a bit. But the passwords actually only give you two lives anyways. Um, <laughs> and by that point, I also figured out that all these upgrades, all these extra items, they really are not necessary uh, to beat the stages. Um, yes, they make some things a little bit more easy, but all of these rooms are made so you can just do it with your standard equipment. So, um, yeah, I had to replay a little bit, but uh, all in all, for for a puzzle game, basically, this, this, not, this did not take me a long time at all. Yeah, the game took me about three hours. <clears throat> and I had to go back to a couple worlds to get the the wings from the hidden room. Yeah. So, uh, trivia, there is trivia. Dana has since appeared in one, one other game, the prequel to Solomon's Key: Fire and Ice. Yeah. Wait, I that was this in Japan? Fire and Ice, or I would assume so. I found it on or... a Japanese website. Uh, I, hmm, it's I been know, a while since I played Fire and Ice, but... Oh, wait. It says it's right here. No, it's known as Solomon's Key 2 in Europe. Uh, and Fire and Ice is the, is the US title of the game, yeah. There you go. See yeah. you there. Yeah, we do have some general reception, uh, which usually we can't really find. But uh, this game got quite a bit of praise, to be honest. Like, I have... Uh, six reviews here one from player one i don't know what that is but uh they gave it 90 out of 100 uh video games gave it an 83 <laughs> out of 100 that's a that's a good video games. that's a good name video <laughs> games yeah that's yeah, very good uh power play like, gave it an 82 out of 100 playtime gave it a 75 out of 100 Nintendo Magazine, it's, oh, I butchered that because that's Swedish. Uh, they gave it a 3.7 out of 5. And ASM, Aktuelle Softwaremarkt, that, that's German, uh, gave it an 8.4 out of 12. Oh, Germany, please. Out of 12. Out of 12? 12, come on, guys. What? 12, that's not a number you can score Let's things not on. Be, let's not be weird here yeah. in Germany, all right? Oh, man, always with those weird germans always always <laughs> but yeah it, it gets a lot of praise actually um and to be honest this is a really good action puzzle game for a game boy that yeah. everybody should it's... definitely play um certainly if you like either solomon's key or fire and ice on nes then you should definitely check this one out I would definitely recommend club over key just because it is easier yeah. but if you did like club go play the nes versions yeah, and it helps because you might recognize some of the rooms, even though they are a little bit bigger on the NES. Oh yeah. But it's the same puzzle, much so you already figure it out basically. So much bigger. Yeah. So yeah, with that, uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll give you more thoughts and history with the game, and of course, the little tiny itty bitty microscopic uh, speedrun section because we're super big into speedrunning. Uh, stay tuned.
Alright, welcome back everybody. Um Mo, we'll start with you since you're host one. What is your thoughts and history of Solomon's Club? Yeah. So this is the first time I really sat down to play one of these Solomon games. Um because I did check out the NES one in the past. Uh, because it looked fun when I saw people playing it. But when I started playing it myself, I was like, this is just way too difficult for me. Like, I cannot get anywhere in this game. Um, mostly because it doesn't actually have continues. There is a code uh, that you can use to, to keep on continuing. Which I didn't know then. And I didn't look up because I was already done with the game by that point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed this game a lot. Um, especially because I'm not good at puzzle games and they tend to be way too long for me as well. But this is basically more of an action game with tiny puzzles in them. Um, so that was kind of more of my thing. Um, and all of these puzzles, if you can call them that even, it's, it's hard to explain because in my mind, they're not really puzzles. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all simple enough to understand. Like after four or five tries, you're like, oh, this is what I need to do. And, and then you just do it. So um, I do know that some rooms I kind of quote unquote cheated by using one of the items that I bought in the shop. Um, so basically I did not quote unquote solve all of the rooms. Um, at me, I mean, as intended. Um, but the game does give you those options to use those items. So if you have them, why shouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I was kind of surprised it was that short, actually. I thought it would uh, be a lot uh, longer. Or that it even maybe had the sequel as well on Game Boy, but uh, we never got that. But... I can highly recommend this game, actually, um, which is something you won't hear me say about puzzle <laughs> games a lot. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> my first introduction to Solomon's games was uh, I played slash speed ran Solomon's Key for the NES during a Big 20. I don't know how many years back, whenever that was in the Big 20. Um and I, I really enjoy, I didn't think I enjoyed the game at all because I, I was watching other runners do it and watching them get frustrated and mad and all sorts of salty. And I was like, oh boy, I'm like, if they're getting salty, they, have, they haven't seen the amount of salt that I can pour. <laughs> and then I started playing, and I was like, oh, this game's actually super fun. And then I got in, I, the game just kind of clicked with me. So like I didn't understand why people were getting so upset at the game because the game just made sense. Mm -hmm. um, so... <clears throat> I learned that there's a Game Boy version just browsing through my EverDrive list. And I was like, oh, Solomon's Club. And I'm like, sure. And I popped it in. And sure enough, like the first however many stages, I was like, oh, this is literally just the NES game. Mm -hmm. And I I blew through like the first world. And I was like, I'm just going to play this for Game Boy Adventure. Like I can probably beat this game in a few hours easily. And yeah, sure enough, I beat the game in like three hours. I had to go back a couple times because I found out there were hidden, hidden stages. But like, I had I think I went back like two worlds to find the hidden, excuse me, the hidden stages. But other than that, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. It was a lot easier than the NES version for sure, yeah. um, because of the basically the continues and whatnot. Um, 
but I immediately like rushed like boots and hats and everything else. And like what Mo said, like you can skip a lot of the intended strategies to solving the quote unquote puzzles if you have some of these items. So there was a lot of puzzles where I'm like, I could do it this way, or I have these items, I can just do it this way. And uh, definitely did it the unintended unintended way. So <clears throat> uh, made it made it more creative, a lot more fun. But uh, yeah, I would rec if you're looking for a a quick puzzle game, uh, this is definitely a game to look at for sure. Um, it's it it offers a lot of variety as well too. Like you'd think of like oh a puzzle game where you destroy and take out blocks. Yeah, I mean if you look at it at a high level, sure. But the game uh, does offer a lot of different depth and variety throughout the floors that you play on. Uh, you get introduced to different sprites. You have to come up with either on the fly on the fly uh, strategies or play it a few times to fully understand what the game is wanting you to do. Um, I, it, overall, it's, it's a very fun game. Like I said, like I would I would start with Club before before uh, Solomon's Key and Solomon's Key Two. Uh, simply because Club is the easier of the of the games. I haven't played any of them on whatever consoles they came out on. Probably Commodore sixty four and yes. Amiga and stuff. So uh, I haven't played them. I probably won't play them because I have no desire to play Commodore sixty four anytime soon. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a fun game. I I do recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we did not really mention is that um, the game does have two endings, like one for just beating yeah. the 50 normal stages, um, but if you do find those uh, five secret stages, you unlock the final round, which are basically five quote-unquote hard puzzles. Um, they all have to do with fire. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say it. Um, they all have to do with that fire that you can't destroy. So it does take some time for you to think everything over um, to see how you uh, can address those things. And one again, I had to do with with the water gun because I just couldn't figure it out otherwise. Um, but um, yeah, you get the best ending if you do those worlds. So. Uh. Yep. You can stop after those 50s, but again, it's so easy to get the secret stages in this game that there's no reason not to do those five extra stages. And yes, I did say that there are six stages in the final one, uh, but the final, final, final stage is not really a stage. Like, it's just a room for you to find uh, the book in, basically. Yeah, and then speedrunning. So, as mentioned before, the NES Solomon's Key actually has a pretty dedicated speedrunning group Yeah, to it. Um, Especially Fire and Ice, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Like, that is the, the preferred one, actually. Yeah, Fire and Ice has a, has a very dedicated grouping of speedrunners to it. Uh, however, Solomon's Club... Uh, does does not. Um, <laughs> um, Mo has here here pretty good casual playthrough. Yeah. But needs needs a routed run. So, um, I'm assuming if you're if you're a Solomon's Key runner listening to this amazing Game Boy podcast, <laughs> free world record. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and it won't be contested. Yeah. And it won't be contested for years. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised the community of the NES games hasn't 
considered or maybe they just don't know it exists to be honest but uh yeah i mean it, it works completely the same as the nes game so why wouldn't yeah. you really uh, yeah i mean there's a chance they didn't they don't may not know it exists or they just never looked into it mm -hmm. like that was me with solomon's key like i didn't know there was a game boy version until i scrolled down at the everdrive list and saw it and i was like oh Pop, pop that in. Oh, it's literally the NES version, but easier. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, a lot anyway. of potential there. All right, a lot of potential. Tiny 10 potential. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... <laughs> Beat the first four floors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, people would be very upset. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, when we come back, uh, we're going to take it. Uh, when we come back, so that means we're taking a short break. Uh, we're going to go through community events uh, and list. We have listener questions. Yes. So we're going to go through listener questions and obviously the amazing outro that we always do. Stay tuned. back everybody hope you enjoyed the last song that you'll hear of solomon's club we try to choose the best best music possible for you all so this one was uh really easy to do since all the songs are bangers <laughs> um <laughs> let's start with uh listener questions before community events so listener questions so we had one here from hero in Solomon's key for the nes the key was in fact a book so it is what is the solomon's club yeah. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, we we pretty much answered it uh, throughout the episode, really. So the final few stages are called the Solomon's Club, uh, where you have to prove yourself worthy enough to get to uh, the library or something like that, um, and there you can find uh, the book called the Solomon's Key. So it's pretty much the same as uh, as in the NES version. I have no idea why they called this the Solomon's Club actually like i don't know either <laughs> it could have just been solomon's key for a game boy uh but yeah they, they went with the club thingy so why not yeah i don't understand why they did that uh and then is it is it sufferum or suffer um one of the two i'm sure either way we nailed it so uh <laughs> Powerplay apparently rated this this the best. Ooh, that's bold. Best Game Boy game of 1991. Uh, where would it sit in your list? First of all, 1991 was the golden year of Game Boy mm -hmm. in terms of game releases because you had some bangers that came out in 91. Operation C, Tailgater, Battle Unit Zeoth, Castlevania, Belmont's Revenge. Aerostar, Fortify Zone, Tracks, Battletoads, Final Fantasy Adventure, Legend 2, Metroid 2, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Kid Icarus, Mega Man, Doctor's Wilder's Revenge, Ninja Guy in Shadow, Teen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Back from the Sewers. So, that's already a, that's 
not even all of the games. No, um, far from it's it. A, <laughs> it's a very star-studded year for the Game Boy. Uh, so for Power Play to say that this was the best Game Boy game of 91 is a bold statement. And I would challenge the editor of whomever wrote that right now in 2020. Um, I personally think it's the best puzzle game of the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wouldn't give it the best game of the year. Uh, the best game of that year is hands down Belmont's Revenge. But uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like what I've written down in our notes is like it's a very subjective view, of course, to choose one of the games out of that list because it's an amazing list to be honest. Like all these games that I've written down are like the the high flyers of that year. There's also a lot of mediocre stuff that came out throughout the year but you have so many amazing games in so many different genres uh during that year that it's really hard to just pick one out of the bunch and yeah out of all the puzzle games absolutely this is the best one released that year but out of all the games i don't know for me it's hard to pick because there are so many different genres but like belmont's revenge best castlevania game on game boy final fantasy adventure the entire start of the second densetsu series absolutely gorgeous game uh wily's revenge probably the best program Mega Man game ever because there's like literally no glitches or anything yeah. um kid icarus of Myth- myths and monsters a good version of kid icarus i'm sorry <laughs> yes lovers but <laughs> I, I absolutely do not like kid icarus on game boy uh and then you had like the the weird ones like the more uh like the more original ones like aerostar a, a shoot em up with two different planes where you're not really flying but on a track um you had fortified zone which was a complete new take on ikari warriors which was great um you got yeah you got the original battletoads game uh because there is a port of battletoads nes called in ragnarok's world i believe if i'm not mistaken but this was a complete original battletoads game like it is so hard to just pick a game out of this bunch like i probably gonna lean towards final fantasy adventure because i'm a huge fan of faction rpgs but i mean i'm also a big fan of Mega Man, so yeah it's it's really hard to choose a best game out of this year yeah 91 was insane just putting that out there and it's early year of game boy too which was even better so yeah third year indeed yeah um yeah, that's all we had for questions and stuff. Community events. Hooray. Um, well, we all know that SGDQ 2020 is done, so we can mark that off the list. Here we go. We got... Uh, uh, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, Germany people. You know what? You, you rate things out of 12. I'm not sorry anymore. <laughs> um, you have Germinch at Dokomi 2020. Um, is happening on September 26th. So I think that's the day that this episode is supposed to air, even. Um, uh, I think. Yes, it is. Question mark. It is, yeah. I'm so good at timing stuff. Uh, this is apparently an 
in-person event. So, hmm. interesting to say the least. But you're going to have games as A Hat in Time, uh, Ukulele, Final Fantasy, Super Metroid. It looks like it's a pretty shortish one, just a weekend-long thing. But give them a check out. Um, might be worthwhile watching. Racing to Help 3. Um, charity Marathon, uh, September 25th. Uh, so games like Portal 2, oh, Die Hard, Kirby, Nightmare in Dreamland, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, Final Mix. We all know that's not true. Um, Dark Man. So a lot of a lot of games are going on through there. Uh, there's probably a few Game Boy games just peeking through here. Looks like there's a couple. So uh, give them a check out. Uh, Racing to Help 3, uh, Friday, September 25th. And then we have Speed Souls. There is nothing on the calendar yet except for a date, which is November 6th. I'm assuming since it has the word Speed Souls, it is a Dark Souls marathon. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then there's a Japanese one here. Uh, I can't really read it. Okay. <laughs> um, it's Saturday, November 21st. But it's all in Japanese. It's called RTA Superstars. Um, it looks like 96 exits, so Super Mario World at least. 102%, probably DKC2. Mm-hmm. Um, or percent, one of the Crash Bandicoot games, maybe. Or that. Or any percent warpless. <laughs> uh, I mean, that could be a couple games, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a, a couple like I said, I don't know Japanese. This is all in Japanese right now. So uh, give them a check out. I don't know what Twitch channel they're on. So you guys are going to have to do some investigating. But just making you aware of what's coming up in the scheduling. Um, I'm not even. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There's some things coming up. I think we're about to hit a slowdown in the marathon scene. Just because yeah. we are approaching holiday season. So... Uh, typically with holiday season, even with COVID and everything happening right now in the world, marathons do tend to slow down just because people want to spend time with their loved ones, friends, whatever it may be. So we are definitely hitting that part of 2020, which uh, is exciting to get the hell out of this year. That's for sure. So, Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't know what 2021 is going to bring no, yet. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, as long as we, this pandemic is not taken care of like 2021 could just be the second 2020 for all we know so true I mean, so true can't go by the year anymore anyways that's that's true like it was march yesterday so i don't know like <laughs> we're september now <laughs> man that yeah you know, for us being for being in quarantine, lockdown, stay at home, whatever you want to call it in today's world, the year has still gone by pretty damn quick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. like oh, I'm not able to go to the amusement parks. I can't travel. I can't do this and this and this. Well, you know what? Like, even though we haven't been able to do that, this the time is still going by pretty damn fast. So, yeah, you blink and it's morning again. It's it's very strange. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. So, with that said, I hope you guys enjoyed. Guys, girls, people. 
newborns. Maybe you all are putting headphones on your bellies. Newborns. Um, Ooh, dad, yeah. I mean, I mean the, that's a great way to come into the world. The opportunities are endless right now. Just telling y'all, like, if you are like, man, I really want my my child to be really big into retro gaming. You know what? You you pop you pop us onto your mobile device, put some headphones onto onto the belly, and just let them listen to the soothing sounds of Mula and Belthick and uh, yeah, how we love the Game Boy and that's all we talk about and never anything bad at all and we're, all of our swear words are bleeped out except for mine um <laughs> oh that episode was great <laughs> oh boy yeah and also our robot overlords from the future if you're listening to this now i mean thank you for yeah thank you I mean, we will probably be dead by then, but but thank you anyways for still True. listening to True. This Is Game Boy uh, in 2,179. Or, yeah, thank you. Yeah, for the next group of people that decides that, you know what, we need to start rebooting podcasts, appreciate you wanting to remaster the This Is Game Boy podcast. Um, really not needed. The original is probably the best you're going to get, but... Uh, you know, still appreciated. Still yeah. appreciated. Plus, it gets downloaded uh, <laughs> immediately into your brain now. So, I mean, oh yeah, that, yeah, you have chips crazy, in your body. Crazy stuff. Like, you get it while we're recording, even though we are dead. But you, you still, you're still getting it. Our digital uh, minds are still producing this podcast, even to this day. No. No, they'll find a way to tap into the afterlife and it'll just be like us still doing the podcast and <laughs> whatever whatever world that people believe in in the afterlife will just still be doing the podcast there. So Yeah, there's nothing uh, <laughs> else to do there anyway, so mm, True. Might as well play some more Game Boy. <laughs> Maybe we can finish our chat. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way that's gonna happen. <laughs> Anyway, if any of you have thoughts, feedback, suggestions, whatever, if you want to say hi, if you want to give us our virtual high five, we can't have physical high fives anymore, at least not yet. Um, please let us know or give us one. Uh, we're always available on Discord, Twitch, Twitter, uh, whatever else things. Email, YouTube, even yeah. <laughs> YouTube, um, probably not snail mail. So I'm sorry if that's the only way you can communicate. Um, you can find me, Belthic Gaming, uh, at Belthic Gaming on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, Belthic on TikTok, which is a fantastic platform for memes. Um, Belthic Gaming on Instagram. I haven't posted on Instagram in a while, so I forgot about that one. And I do have a YouTube, but it doesn't have a branding associated with it because I need subscribers. Uh, where can I find you, Bo? They can find me on YouTube, Twitch, and... Uh, wait, what was the third thing? Twitter. Twitter. Uh, yeah, all under slash Moolah. That's M-O-E-L-L-E-U-H. And, like I said the last few times, I'm also on Instagram, which I believe is the same link, but I don't know because I am totally not... <laughs> Uh, an Instagram person. I still haven't posted anything on it. I just have it now, so you can always uh, follow me there. Yeah, I, th I think it's the same. 
URL as Mo, as I Mo is one of those Instagram inspirators. Uh, he has all of the all of the uh, advertisements and promotions on there. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing else on the timeline. It's crazy. <laughs> the, oh man, yeah, it's it's nothing for me. I'm afraid, but uh, I should put some thought into what I'm gonna post on there. If even I definitely it. prefer it over Facebook, but yeah. I, I'm not a picture kind of guy, so it's it's kind of hard for me to do. But yeah, you can find that's, me there for right. sure. Um, you can also, of course, find our lovely producer Lex on YouTube as Lex. See, I'm I am always confused. Legs. YouTube is Legs. YouTube is Legs. There we go. Um, sprinting Lex on the Twitch. Uh, sprinting Lex on Twitter. And she also has her own website, sprintinglegs.com, where you can find all the other projects she is working on as well. True. And you can... Uh, oh, and before we get into that part, we also have a Patreon. So, if you all are wanting to support the podcast, super appreciated. And those of you that are supporting the podcast, super, super duper appreciated. Um... You all can be a patron. I think I forgot how many tiers we have now. Two or three. Uh, where various tiers get you access to various different behind-the-scenes pieces of the podcast. So bloopers, notes, uh, secret channels in the Discord. Uh, things of that nature. If we get to, was it 20 bucks a month? I think it is. Uh, we'll start doing live streams of our podcast episodes. So you get to see... Me with some bedhead and hopefully a shirt on. Um, Mo is going to be bright eyed and bushy tailed because it's going to be like 7 p.m. his time. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, so those things, and you get to see the nonsense during our breaks that we do, which is literally just me looking up songs on Zopher. So um, on top of that, uh, if you aren't into the whole subscription Patreon thing and but still want to support the podcast in some way, we do have a PayPal uh, to do like a one-time quote-unquote support type deal. Uh, The only thing with PayPal is we want to reward you. We want to show our thanks to you for supporting the podcast. So please let one of us three know, uh, Mula, Legs, or myself uh, in a DM or something. So we can give you a specialized role in the Discord so you guys could have access to whatever it, it may be that you need for the uh, for the support. Um, and you can find all of this information on gbrunners.com forward slash T-I-G-B where you can find all the various links to our personal social medias. Or not personal social medias, but our social medias. Um, the RSS feeds for like SoundCloud, Patreon, PayPal, YouTube now. Uh, Mola and Lake spent a ton of time tr- uh, making videos for all of the podcast episodes and uploaded them to YouTube. So shout outs to them. Um, and yeah, and the latest episode on SoundCloud appears on that website as well too. So. Yeah, we don't have, of course, a URL on YouTube yet because we need 100 subscribers. So, yeah, if you want to support us uh, without paying for it, the best thing you can do is just uh, 
like us, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever you can. Uh, leave a review, even anything that uh, yeah. that spreads the word to other people uh, about how awesome this uh, podcast is, so that more people can find it. That always helps, um, especially like on SoundCloud. We just went over eight thousand listens, um, Hell so yeah. that that's pretty fantastic uh, to see. Um, like I think we are at like 200 listens a week now, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a Game Boy podcast, that kind of is for a, big a very thing. niche podcast. Yeah. So from two nobodies, uh. <laughs> yeah. So that's a that's a pretty big deal. So we're going towards that 10k. So that's uh, pretty exciting. Hell yeah! So maybe we'll hit that before the end of the year. Would be really cool. Man, that'd be a nice Christmas present. Yeah. So make it happen, people. Spread the word that we exist. Make, make it happen. Yeah. It's on. It's on you. You have the power, chat, to do this. All right. Yeah. You are now. You are now the better version of Twitch chat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next episode. Um, games. Oh, next episode's Halloween special. Yes. Do we tell them what game we're doing, or do we just want to say Halloween special? Yeah, let's just uh, call it the Halloween special. <laughs> so, it will be a little surprise, which nobody will see coming. Uh, <laughs> so. It's true, no one will see yeah. it coming. No. I don't think many people know the game exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It's going to be exciting. So, yeah, the, the next time you hear from Mo and I together... It's going to be the spooky Halloween special of This Is Game Boy. Until next time, bye-bye. Later. Fifty-seven Fahrenheit, whatever that is in Celsius. Um, quick Google. <laughs> Thirteen Celsius okay. last night.